how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run The Real, featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we're back after our, like, heated first uh, review in this category. <laughs> We've got another one. We're diving back in. We are. And how do you say this one, Dan? You picked it. So I picked Quaden. At least that's what the Google pronunciation tells me that's how you say it so if i'm wrong i apologize but yeah or like i like to say quay dan because he it does it. say dan in the title <laughs> how fitting i noticed that yesterday when i watched it i was like <laughs> no wonder he picked this <laughs> very interesting discovery but yeah this is an old movie and we are in our like j-horror category and I was wondering, last week, TV, you told us what J-horror is. Is this technically considered J-horror, or what would you say? Uh, Yeah, I would say it's like proto-J-horror. There's a lot of elements in this that come back. I'm sure you all noticed like the hair at the beginning of this one, the first short story. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of hair going on. Uh, the black hair. It, it's kind of similar. It's like, it establishes kind of like similar things themes with like how japanese movies tend to treat ghosts and stuff like as if they're like part of the world and you wouldn't even know they're ghosts necessarily that kind of thing that is very interesting one of the stories definitely covers that <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah those first and second stories were very much in the theme of j-horror you know even like thematically i think with that kind of moral of the story we can get into that later yeah, 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 and J horror like they do a lot of like social Japanese cultural stuff they'd like to cover, but like you know, untraditional households that kind of thing and stuff like that too. And I think this one does kind of cover some of that stuff. It definitely fits in. We're gonna talk about it, but Dan, tell us about this movie a little bit. So Quaden is directed by Masaki Kobayashi, um, who also directed the Run the Real hit. Harakiri, and also famed for other movies like the Human Condition Trilogy and Samurai Rebellion. But Quaden is a collection, an, an anthology actually, of four Japanese folk tales that have supernatural themes. We've got our first one, The Black Hair. Then there's um, The Woman of the Snow followed by Hoichi the Earless, and then it ends with In a Cup of Tea. It's based off of a book, actually, that has a lot more than just four ghost stories in them. <laughs> These are just, I think, um, like four of the most well-known or most popular ones out of that book, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was just like cultural, like, stories that have just been told in japan or yeah what exactly it was based off of it's kind of weird like i was reading in um because i have the criterion disc for this i was reading in there that some dude I, I can't remember his name i don't think he was japanese actually he he was running around and like he went over to japan and ended up staying there eventually and started like writing down a lot of these oral ghost stories and stuff like that. Apparently he couldn't, like, read Japanese very well, though, but <laughs> <laughs> he became pretty well known for these Japanese folk tales or something like that. So that's where the book comes from anyways. So a little of both. That guy took it from the traditional stuff, and then the director just looked at the book and used the ones he used in that. I was kind of curious, you know, like, yeah, how much of this is that, like, possibly not great translation and how much is, like, the original folklore, since it was, like, a Japanese film and director? I did look into the Woman of the Snow one a little bit after watching it this time, and it seems pretty based on the tale of that particular yokai, also known as a demon, pretty much. Um, if you don't know what a yokai is. I saw that part of the the Hoichi, the earless, the um there's a history kind of section of that, a cool song that talks about an epic 
battle in ancient Japan, but I read that the dude, like, didn't translate almost any of that <laughs> for the story. Oh, no. <laughs> he left that part out, and so they just added it back in for the movie? That's what it kind of sounded like. I was kind of having a hard time finding, like, good concrete stuff on this movie and the production. But yeah, I guess before we get too deep, there will be spoilers for four different stories told in this, so... If you're worried about that at all, then you should probably go watch it and then come back. Or if you don't care, just stick around. But it's up to you. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think the spoilers are as big a deal for something like this, since these are like ghost stories that get passed down, you know, from the oral tradition. I mean, you kind of, they're not there to like, spook you or give you any great reveals these types of things are here to teach you a lesson in some sort of manner so it's not really like it's not a huge deal if you know how they end it's kind of just seeing the interpretation and how well they pull it off at least for me anyways yeah i mean most like the quote-unquote twists in this are pretty much like i I saw almost all of them coming you know it's like yeah oh yeah (laughs) this is where they're going it's like classic ghost stories you know like that goes in that direction. Mm, so what do you guys think of this movie? Let's just jump into it. Quaden. How do you uh how do you think we should do this? Should we review each one individually or the whole thing as a as a as a film, one big thing? Maybe just start out, let's do like one at a time and then at the end we can kind of just talk about it in general. Cause I know we kinda got into discussions for anthologies and uh trick or treat, so we could I think saving that for the end would be fitting. Yeah let's, yeah, let's just start with the first one. What was it? The Black Hair? That's what it's called, right? Yeah, The Black Hair. Oh, yeah, I like this one. This was cool. I did not expect to see the the long, draped-over hair in this. That was It was nice. It was cool. It kind of has a really slow start, too. I was like, is this supposed to be a, like a ghost story? Because I was like, I'm pretty sure all of these are very... Like, have some sort of ghostly element to them. And I was just, like, waiting. I was like, when's the ghost showing up? This one does take a while to get into the the spooky stuff. <laughs> Pretty much right up until the end, even. It builds it up real nicely, I think. Because, yeah, it is pretty slow. It starts off showing um, the samurais, like, I'm going to leave my wife to go better myself and get a higher social status. And then he, like, keeps like thinking back to his wife or whatever and it keeps like getting more sinister and sinister as the movie pro- or the movie as the story progresses until he finally goes back that one was kind of creepy you know i know we kind of just said it wasn't meant to scare you but i did find this one a little unnerving whenever he was having his flashbacks it was it was really cool yeah how like would like you could tell like he was really like obsessed with like his old life you know, and, like, he just kept thinking about it. And I think, yeah, it's probably matching, like, his guilt, maybe, you know, how he left her. And, like, at first he's like, eh, she'll be fine. And then as time progresses, he's like, man, I hope she's not, yeah, down in the dumps. And it's like, because he wants to go back towards the end because the whole deal is he wants, yeah, he wants to get a better standing in life. So he just ditches his wife to go find a new wife. Then he turns out he hates his new wife and he hates his new life. And so he just, like, starts longing for his past again and he goes back, but things have changed but doesn't seem that way at first yeah i love the concept of this first story like being haunted by your past not a ton of like recent horror movies do this really well and this lens the way they do it like this guy's haunted by how he basically screwed over his wife you know (laughs) and then he he pays for it in the end and it's super unnerving I I loved what they did with that concept in this movie, in this short story, in the bigger movie. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) That's social horror. You know it's the stuff of my nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and like that's what your past is. I mean... Social horror. (laughs) My nightmares. Yeah. (laughs) You're not wrong. I think about it every time I'm in the shower. Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you've... All woke up at like 2 a.m. and just remember something embarrassing that happened in your past. It, like, you can't change it, you know? You're just stuck with it, so. You know, you're not wrong. It It is very much like that, isn't it? Except it's 
mid-archery contest instead of middle of the night yeah yep yep a lot worse to the extreme but and yeah not embarrassing memories but yeah abandoning a, a woman to just leaving your wife in poverty yeah yeah that's fine <laughs> i think yeah that kind of goes into the whole social stuff that i was kind of mentioning earlier like does, these women are basically disposable to him even when he marries like someone super rich he just gets up and leaves again and he just does whatever and it's like no consequences well until the ghost appears of course but like it doesn't seem like he's got any bad things like it's like a lesson you know don't do this this is bad yeah i think that's where the folktale aspect of this came in really strong for me because i think a lot of these older folktales are more like you said dan to teach you a lesson than anything else and that's what i think this first story does the best out of all the stories in this at least for me that was the most like easily recognizable theme and concept they were going for with a lesson was this story. It's a a simple story that they do a really good job making creepy. Not like horrific, because like nothing in here is like horrific at all, really. At least not in today's standards for sure, yeah. Back then, who knows how scary it was, but We've seen stuff like this before nowadays. I, I guess yeah, I'll throw out, you know, I did find like actually kind of like skin crawly creepy is towards the end of this. The dude, as he, you know, wakes up to discover his wife has been dead this whole time. He's been reunited. He like progressively becomes more pale throughout this chase scene. And at first I was like, is that a lighting choice? What's going on? But by the end, that's like the whole point is that his like life is being drained. And I thought it was really well done and actually pretty creepy the way he looked at the end. The like costume, set design and lighting of everything in this movie, like every story is superb. I loved it. It's like a visual feast watching this movie. It is. It feels like a real expensive play almost at times too. At least this one and um, the woman of the snow do, which is which is cool. I mean, you have like two characters in this story for the most part, and that yeah, they do a real good job with it. Um, yeah, that end scene really creeped me out too, uh, Fox, because he's just like trying to escape from that place and he can't, and it's like showing how he's trapped in his own memories and his guilt and his shame is just eating away at his life. <laughs> Hate that when he can't open the doors. I thought that was pretty... <sighs> kind of like contemporary Western horror, you know? Ghost locks the door so you can't leave. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Except they don't usually attack you with their hair after. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yep. I hadn't... I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Terry, because I hadn't thought of that but yeah, this is like the first, I don't, I don't know if it's the first, I'm assuming since it was a folk tale, this is probably like one of the originating stories and why they keep all these J horror stuff keeps having the girls with the long dark hair. I mean, just look at the ring and like the grudge and all that, for example. <laughs> yeah. And I think if I, I might be misremembering this exactly, but there's some sort of like cultural thing about like the long black hair that's not like tied up or anything. It's it kind of like symbolizes it's like unsettling and it 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 makes you like beware of this person. They're like off their kilter or whatever, you know, something like that. So I think that's part of it too. I might be totally, but there's something about it that's in that vein about the long black hair over their eyes and just kind of a mess. That ties into him at the end of this story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his hair's going kind of nuts too in this movie. I will say, if I had to complain about this one, I think it's, it's a weird choice for something like the sound effects they use at the end. Uh, like, they don't use it sometimes. Like, it's just like silent, and other times they are using it. Or it's delayed. Yeah. I didn't really like that. I thought that was kind of weird, but I, I think I know why they did it. It's kind of otherworldly. Because surely they just didn't, like, you know, if they wanted to, they could have done it. But I don't know. It just seems, it felt off to me, and I didn't I didn't like it as much. It's definitely a stylistic thing, for sure. I I kind of liked it. Um, it. It was a lot different. And 
overall too, which I'll bring up the music, I think in this was used real well. Um, in my, the little essay in the criterion thing, like the guy who did the music was like his approach to it. I mean, he says something along the lines of, I didn't want the music to be telling you constantly, ah, this is scary. You need to be scared. He's like, I I wanted the music to feel like it was creeping up behind you before it's going to grab you to keep the tension like high and everything. And I think this one does the best of showcasing that because, yeah, like you said, they'll just like cut out all the sound effects while this guy's running away and just aging and everything. And then like they'll have the creepy like plucks at the instruments and then the sound effects that are not where they should be it's it's weird but it's it's really effective in being creepy and not really off-putting but i don't know i need another adjective unnerving yeah bizarre strange yeah i don't know it's interesting choice for sure i also like i think i liked the classic use of like the Dutch angles and everything in this. I was like, that's like textbook for how to make that work and make it spooky. <laughs> in this very first one, they did some weird stuff with that, like handheld on the fly Dutch like angles. And that was bizarre. And, you know, like in the film classes, they like specifically say, don't ever do that. It makes people uncomfortable. <laughs> so. <laughs> It was very effective. <laughs> and that combined with the weird way they did the sound effects and then the the sneak up behind you music was I I was having a, a blast. I was like, this is great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I I love one of the scenes after he wakes up and he realizes that his wife's dead. And so he's like trying to escape and he's running into the walls and stepping through the floor. And they cut all the sound out, but you still get to see his reaction, but it's like dead silent. I don't know, that scene like sticks with me because it was silent there. And then they have the the plucks and that weird like flute thing in the background. I don't know what it was, but it sounded very unnerving and it just like, it's a scene that sticks with me after watching it. I kind of felt like it was almost an homage to silent film. It it just seemed very like like those classic horror films. I wondered if he was maybe inspired by those. It's possible, yeah. It just left me with like a void. I guess I was like, I just want to hear the man clawing at the door. <laughs> I get it. It's <laughs> it's strange. It is strange. I I totally get what you guys are saying. It's just strange. It's weird. Creative. I'll give it that though. Yeah, they do it multiple times in the different stories too. I think in the like the war one which we'll get to they did it a lot in that well should we move on to the next one the next story let's keep moving i'm ready the woman of the snow is that what it's called the woman of the snow maybe we should give like a brief synopsis of each one like this one's about like a wood chopper and his dad or some old guy is it his dad uh Oh, I think it said it was like his master or something. I see. Okay. Well, yeah. Him and this old guy go out and like it's a freezing cold and they get stuck out there. Um, they're, it seems like they're going to die. And the, the young guy wakes up uh, in the middle of the night and he sees this woman hovering over the, the old man. And uh, I guess she like kills him, basically. And she turns around. She's going to do the same to that guy. But she's like, oh, no, no. I won't kill you. You're so young and beautiful. But if you ever tell anybody about this, I'll be back. And then she leaves. And then he's fine. He gets married to a woman. They have three children. He's having living a happy life. And then uh, he decides finally after 10 years, he's going to tell his wife about this strange experience. And it turns out that the wife is the creature demon woman who killed his master. Surprise. But she still doesn't kill him. So that's basically the gist. This one's interesting, right? Because at least I think it was pretty interesting because it this one's going more into like the the spirit world crossing path crossing paths with the um, human world and everything. 
Um, since the woman of the snow is basically supposed to be a yokai, at least from what I was reading when I was reading up on this story. But this one struck me more sad than anything else. I think just because of like the story itself and probably that this one has our the the great Tatsuya Nakadai in it as well. And he does such a he's got he does such a good job in this one too of being like sad and everything. It makes me feel real bad. <laughs> yeah, he did great. I was analyzing this one pretty hard for like the theme or the lesson or concept they were going for, and I couldn't pick it out with this one like I could the first story. It's kind of like two things, I think. The The first is like it's kind of a broken promise type of thing, you know, because he doesn't, he ends up telling her uh, the story even though like, in this, they make it out like he didn't even probably didn't even remember that that was <laughs> part of the agreement or whatever when it happened, right? Which kind of lends to it being sad. So there's that, and then I think more the classic like beware of the supernatural type of story thing too in this one. Like don't mess with the with the yokai or anything that's like. Seems like it's supernatural, I guess. Be cautious. That's what stood out to me. It's strange, though, because you'd, you'd think she would have killed him, but she doesn't. She, like, just leaves. She takes the sandals, too. Well, it's because they, they had kids together. I know, yeah. Which, I like the twist, but that kind of, like, makes the moral feel weird, you know? It's like, well, I don't really get it. But that's okay. It doesn't need to, like, make total sense to me. I like that aspect of it. I think that's really cool. Although I think feel like she's almost like pranking him. It feels like a really harsh prank where it's like, <laughs> I tricked you into marrying me so that I can, yeah, just get you to spill the beans in 10 years. <laughs> like, I, I did think it was kind of weird at the end that she was like, this was like an endless eternal bond to me when you said you would never talk. I didn't tell you it was an eternal bond, but it was. How could you? But, I mean, they're ghosts, I guess, you know. What do we know of their reasons and logic? Yeah, it's it's one of those old stories, you know, like all the Greek myths and all that kind of stuff. Like th This one felt a lot like that to me. And I think there's versions of this story, too, from what I saw, where um, she does go ahead and kill him. Um, then there's the one they filmed where she doesn't because they had the kids together and she just leaves. And then there's another version apparently where she ends up staying because technically he did not tell another human about it since she's a yokai. And so she just, they stay together and nothing happens. I would have liked it if he would have, like, convinced her to stay or something. You know, I'm like, well, technically, I didn't tell another person. I told you or something like that, you know. That would have been cool. He was, like, in in shock, though, I think. <laughs> like, he's like, holy crap, I've been married to this yokai this whole time. It's crazy. I liked it. It's just strange, yeah. A lot of layers and weird choices. That I, I think I like it for that, though. It's just like, okay, they have to follow the rules, these ghosts. It's like she had to compromise her. Like, she was going to kill him, but she's she's able to hold back and compromise at least a little. Oh, man. But that last scene where he goes and puts his, her sandals out in the snow, though. Oh, that makes me so sad every time I see it. <laughs> it was, like, genuinely sad. That's, you know, I, I was hoping that she would stay, but I think narratively that was a great choice. Because, man, what an impactful scene. Yep. And I mean, man, Nakadai, he's so freaking good. Like, he doesn't hardly speak in this movie, but he sells that so well, too. I think the story of this one was interesting, but what I think I liked best was the sets. I I think I read that this movie was filmed on, like, some sound sets. An airplane hangar. Yeah, yeah, airplane hangar. That was it. It was something weird, but... 
they made these like really big intricate sets and they have these cool like painted backdrops and when they're wandering through the snow the backdrops have like eyes on them and it's so freaky and unnerving like it just looks so weird and out of place i was like are they in some kind of purgatory like what is this there's eyes in the sky yeah that looked really cool i really liked that too that combined with like the music and even the like the lighting in this one i think does the best of showcasing that they might not be in their own realm anymore because the yokai's out in the storm walking around their paths have crossed the worlds have intertwined for a little bit at least yeah i love these classic japanese movies have like this mystic realism where there's like a forest spirit or the spirit of the snow and the ice is what i think this like yokai was i love it when they capitalize on those kind of mystic realism aspects they do it even more in the next story as well, but <laughs> we're not there yet. Yeah, some of the versions, she's like, freezes them and then is like a vampire and will like suck all their blood out. And I think they make that comment in this one, don't they? Yeah, it looked like his blood was, like he froze so much that his blood was missing or something like, like that. Like he was drained or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, she definitely sucked his blood. <laughs> like, come on. And she's she's creepy in that scene. Like when it has like the close up of her mouth and she like opens it slowly, that was horrifying to me. That really creeped me out. Yeah, that's where that lighting comes in real good too, because it's like it's always blue and it's so cold when she's around. Oh, it's great. Everybody does real good acting in this, by the way. Too, <laughs> I think so. I agree, especially in this story like the actress who played the like frost yokai like when she walked it just looked otherworldly and she was just walking i mean in that outfit the great example of how great the costume design is for this movie man her ghost costume was super cool yeah i was gonna get to that in the next story but <laughs> i think we have a good say it for all of them man it's crazy i think that the music is the best in this one out of all the stories. Hmm, okay. I'll be honest, I don't really remember most of the music, except for in the third one, obviously, where they're, like, singing for half the movie. <laughs> but yeah. I, I I can't really think, except for, I guess the first one, I do remember the string plucking a little bit, but I can't really remember it in this one. They had that flute in it for a lot of it in this one, um, especially when uh, Yuki is her name, is in her snow woman of the snow outfit and everything and like at the very start when they're in the hut and she shows up and then when she shows up at the end again and everything i tried to find a scene in every story that like sticks with me and i was very easily able to do it with this movie because it just looks amazing throughout it but there's uh, a scene where it's like the setting and it zooms in on an eye in the backdrop of the setting and also that it's snowing like there's no characters no humans in the scene it's just the setting and the backdrop and when it does that it plays that flute and i don't know i just found that really cool that like emphasizes the setting and the otherworldly aspects of this story oh yeah i agree 100 percent i just I think it's real cool how they're able to capture that otherworldliness without using, like, y you know, how, how movies do it nowadays, right? When they're trying to do the otherworldliness, there's all those, all the computer-generated effects and lots of, like, crazy things happen. But this one, I think, manages to do it better than most of those. Yeah, the atmosphere is so big in this, like, short story. In all of them. Yeah, all of them. I think this one was the my favorite, just the atmosphere of this story. Now, should we talk about part three? Yep. Hochi the Earless? Is that my saying that right? Hochi? 
I think it's Hoichi. Hoichi? Yeah, this one is crazy. This one's like, okay, he's blind, right? He's blind first, and he's can play this uh, song really well. There's like history of so-and-so. These two clans that went to war, tragedy happened, like the, the emperor, child emperor, and like his followers all jumped into the sea rather than lose? Is yeah, the like Genji clan slaughters the... Heike? Heike? I, I don't know how you say that one. But yeah, basically, he, he can sing this song really well, and then it, this guy keeps showing up and hauling Hoichi to the his master and his like clan to, to perform this song for them over and over again. And all these other people are starting to get suspicious. They follow him there to see where he's going, and it turns out he's going to a cemetery every night. And these spirits of this clan who like jumped into the sea are dragging him back to recite this uh, story to them bit by bit. So, and the, oh wait, then the big twist at the end—how could I forget? Why it's called Hoichi the Earless? Uh, <laughs> turns out, if you do this a lot, they're eventually going to like take over you or something like that. Something horrible is going to happen. So they put all these markings over him to basically it's kind of like exorcism a little bit. All he's got to do is have all these markings on him all over his body. And he cannot respond to the ghosts or else they'll tear him apart. Um, but turns out they forgot to mark his ears. The ghost can see these two floating ears. And he's like, oh, that's weird. And so he, he goes to bring the ears back to his clan to prove that something weird happened and the, the guy's gone. And he rips the guy's ears off. So, yep, that's basically the gist of it. <laughs> I really love the next morning after the haunting. And the head priest is talking to one of the other acolytes, and he's like, this was a grievous error on our part. <laughs> yes. You don't say. Oh, she's just in the background. What? What'd you say? Like, <laughs> This one was interesting. I don't know. I liked a lot towards the end, but it had a real slow start for me. Oh, really? You didn't like the start of this? I did not. This was what I was hinting at last week when I was like, this movie has one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a movie. I was talking about that battle because I have never seen a movie like depict an old school ship combat thing. And this movie, they go all out with it. And it's so freaking cool because it starts out with Hoichi singing um, the tale right of the these two warring clans and it has um like the paintings and stuff of the battle and everything and that's playing over it and then it cuts to like they actually filmed it like they had like a ton of boats floating in the water and they've got people on them and everything and then they have the fight and they're like all crashing into each other and they're like the heroes are running to the boats and just like destroying and slaughtering people and everything and they got arrows flying and all this while hoichi's telling the tale and it still will cut in with those paintings and stuff i love that so much just the like costume design they had like a ton of extras on here not like ben her extras or anything like that not that many but there's so many extras in here, and they're all decked out in these awesome costumes. Oh, yeah, it was just such a cool scene. Like, the visual... I have two visual scenes in this one. Like, the heroes, the commanders standing up at the front of the boat look like a painting as they're sailing at each other to go to fight in war. Oh, that was just so good. And I just love how they interplayed it with hoichi telling the story and everything too yeah i mean i guess i just didn't like it just seemed like it took forever i liked the costumes i thought like the live action stuff was cool the paintings were cool at first i got kind of tired of like it kept going back to them i think they do a better job of it at the end because i do actually kind of like when they start doing that again um i i feel like maybe that i would have just preferred like a short like narrator thing like they kind of did with the rest of them and then maybe revealed it slowly throughout the story i i think that would have worked better for me it just seemed like it was so long and then we basically get the same thing at the end but for me only better yeah i guess on my end you know one of my favorite things is art museums and watching this was like going to an art museum and i love taking my time and being methodical and this one <laughs> 
lets you take your time looking at all those paintings and epic costumes and cool scenery and boats. I don't know. I thought it was great in that regard. You know, I love the historical components of these films back in the day that we watched, and I think this one's one of the best I've seen so far. Yeah, it's such a cool set piece. Like, just that scene of the fighting was... It must have taken forever to film. It must have been a nightmare trying to sail those boats in this, like, flooded stage, I guess, or wherever they did it. It's just real cool. And like like I said, I've not seen... I'm sure there's other movies out there that do this type of ship combat, but if there is, I haven't seen them. But <laughs> it was real cool seeing it done in this one. It kind of, like, comes out of nowhere. You're not expecting it, like... It starts out with Hoichi on the rock and is showing the um like the place now the days and he's talking about the great battle and then it like shows the um painting and then you get a little brief section of what before they start fighting and you're like, Ooh, that's kinda cool. I want I hope they do more of that and then oh yeah, they do more. <laughs> they certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> they deliver. <laughs> I think the rest of this story is real cool, too. Real spooky as well. That's where it gets good, is when the ghost starts coming to Hoichi. That's when I really start liking this one. Yeah. It's such a, like, I I don't even know how to describe it, really. It's going to sound weird. It feels like a ghost story, you know? Oh, yeah. Every night, the ghost of the lake comes out and looks for somebody to perform for him you know or something like that it's very folklore it's like what you would tell people around a campfire out in the woods yeah it's funny because well i guess it's not that funny but the earless thing really threw me off and i thought i had re- like read the title wrong because i was like what are they talking about like that he's blind did, did i read it wrong is it the eyeless <laughs> like what what is he like talking like i thought i had totally misinterpreted but no the ear i had read it right the ears do come back significantly at the end i had that same thought <laughs> like, do i need to go back and check that subtitle? Yeah, i was like gonna google it that scene was so brutal too like when he shows up it's just like just ripping trying to pull the ear off ears off of him oh man and he can't scream or do anything because they'll hear him i loved the scene in this where they were writing the kanji on hoichi like all over his body and the music was like this chanting score like it was a choir just chanting as they do it that was such a cool visual scene that's the other one i was gonna say and this one that was my favorite it was just so unnerving like they're preparing him to have this encounter with a ghost and now he knows that the ghost wants to take his body like possess him that's just so powerful the build up to that too is just like superb as well because you know like the guy shows up and it's not a big mystery that he's a ghost, right? He just appears there. <laughs> it's like, Hoichi. Yeah, he's even like <laughs> moaning his name out into the dark. Yeah. Hoichi. <laughs> it builds up perfectly because it sets the stakes really high. I mean, you've got that battle at the start, so you know what all these guys, these dead spirits are capable of. And then it goes through all that and then it like, they even they have to put that whole sutra all over his body. It's such a great build up to that final confrontation. And I love that that last song he sings when it's like they're slowly like flashing towards like their like post battle like mode, you know, where like they're all starting to be kind of bloody and worn and like it's like slowly degrading all around him. That was really cool. I really liked that. Kind of made me like a little sad even for those ghosts. I wonder if it's just like, you know, when you're a ghost, like you don't realize you're doing it, but you're doing it like trying to possess somebody because that like soldier guy seemed genuinely confused. He's like, huh, guess we won't get a performance today. Oh, well, I'll just get these ears and head back. Like, I don't I, I don't know if these ghosts, you know, like they have they work in mysterious ways. I think maybe they don't realize what they're doing is like going to be wrong, too. You know, they just want this guy to come and tell them of their tales. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to like ask you guys like. Do you think their intent was to, like, possess him and take his soul, or do you think they really just liked hearing the song? 
Because, I mean, the, the priest is the only one who's like, they'll tear you apart. But the ghosts never really say that or indicate that, that I noticed. I think it had a negative effect on him because he was getting, like, way pale and stuff. But I just think, yeah, I don't know if, like, it's necessarily an intentional thing or it's just, like, a thing that once ghosts, or maybe it's just, like, ghosts who die in this way or might try to do that, you know, it's just they're... That's how they operate now, and they just, they're working by instinct. I felt like they appreciated him personally, like... They picked him because he knew, like, the hundred freaking songs and the 20 secret verse Ooh, songs yeah. of, the, of the whole thing, too. Nobody asked for the secret verse. Come on. Yeah. I want to hear the secret stuff. I I think that's a good point that you guys brought up, because it seems... These Japanese folklore stories, um, they operate kind of where people in reality recognize that there is paranormal and superstitious stuff out there in the world. Because, like, if you said that to people today, they'd probably be like, ah, no, there's no ghosts in the graveyard because science and whatnot. I think it's cool that the monk is not dismissive of that at all because we're conditioned to see that in horror movies today anything that's supernatural we have skeptics and dismissive people of it in western horror movies that deal with this ghost stuff and it, it leads more into the supernatural aspect since it is like a priest the head priest even at the temple he's like doesn't even question it i will say too this like ticks a couple of my boxes for things that I really like to see in like mysticism and fantasy settings. There's a book called The Warded Man. Well, there's a series of books where it's literally demons come out at night and they have protective wards that they write on stuff, you know, to protect them. And I, I don't know what it is. I just think that like writing wards on people and stuff <laughs> is really cool. It is. Oh, man. It looked so cool in this one. I think it's cool that Hoichi is blind through most of this story because some guy just comes and gets him. He doesn't realize that these are ghosts that he's playing for. He just thinks he's going to somebody's house and playing. And then at the end, he has no senses. So he can't hear or see. So I like think you he said, can still he, hear. He responds to somebody at the end, yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. Never mind. My my point is not good for the end of it. I was like, he can't tell if he's playing for spirits or people, but I guess he can. Well, I mean, he he can't see though. So, and even the temple acolytes are like, how do we know? You know, are they living or dead? We don't even know. It's cool. He became famous because of this. Hoichi did. I did really like that he had like a good ending because he like didn't do anything bad besides be super good at playing his instrument and you know, making the most of his life. <laughs> and I was like, man, I hope they don't do this guy dirty. Yeah, and this one is like, if he hadn't kept the secret, then he probably would have been saved. But, well, maybe they still would have forgot his ears. I guess that maybe he wouldn't have been saved. But in the last one, the secret, <laughs> he doesn't keep it and it, like, hurts him. It's kind of weird. Kind of ambiguous about what they're trying to say exactly, yeah. Yeah, just like... A warning. Be careful of spirits. Yeah. <laughs> Ghosts may not be good. Be careful. Well, we want to move on to part four, the final chapter. Let's do it. This one's called In a Cup of Tea. I can't put my finger on why this one creeps me out so much, but I think this one creeped me out the most out of all of them. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. It's that guy in the cup's freaking facial expressions. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Basically, this man who works at this, like, I don't know, what, what would you, like a higher up guy or something. He's like a bodyguard, basically. A lord. Yeah, he works for a lord. And he's uh, he, he he's going to take a drink of water and there's just his face in the cup. And he's very concerned about it. <laughs> and he just keeps, like, chucking these cups. He's like, this is weird. I'm not drinking out of it. But eventually he's like, whatever, I'll drink it. And then the guy, the face in the cup starts, the guy comes to his place of work. Um, it's really creepy and weird. And our main character fights him off, kind of, I guess. The guy kind of basically just disappears. He walks through a wall is what he says. Then these like three retainers show up saying like, you struck our master, the guy in the cup. And now 
we're letting you know that in how many days this guy's going to come back and he's going to want like vengeance or something, whatever. So this guy goes and tries to fight these three retainers. Same thing happens. He can't, he's having a hard time killing them. They won't die. They're very ghostly. Um, and this is weird because this is one where it's like, is it, is it kind of a story within a story? Like, yes, <laughs> it, it turns out like this guy had been writing the story and his publisher comes by um, and he reads it and he's like, hmm, how does it end? And then turns out like, I guess the somebody, is it the authors in the, the, the pot of water? Yeah. This one was kind of cool. I think, yeah, because they mentioned at the beginning of this is like stories that uh, some of these folklore stories never got finished for whatever reason. We don't know for sure why. Um, and so we're just going to kind of wing it and, you know, tell perhaps this was the reason why that kind of thing. I love how you phrased that TV. He came to his place of work. <laughs> how rude to just show up while he's on duty. <laughs> Seriously. Remember me? You're off duty, right? <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> I'm working nights here. You can't just come wake me. <laughs> I'm busy at night. They do say that he swallows the guy's soul earlier in the thing. This is weird. Yeah, it was creepy, and it was also weird. Like, that guy seemed like he wanted to get drunk. But then he acts like <laughs> yeah. he didn't want to be drunk. When, like, once he's like, you swallowed his soul. No wonder he's after you. And it's like. That guy, when he looks in the cup, the guy's not like, please, no, don't drink me. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm in the cup. Look at me. <laughs> Making weird faces yeah. at him. <laughs> this goes on for a while, too. Like three minutes, this guy keeps like chucking cups. and He looks in the next cup. And there's a guy's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm still in your cup, man. I was even like, I almost yelled at the screen. Just drink it. This guy's not going away. Just drink the dang cup. And he does. And there's like... <laughs> What did, you, for it. what did you expect to happen? You're gonna die of thirst? Like, come on. <laughs> That's kind of what's creepy about it, too, because like he just keeps showing up. I'm yeah. like, the poor guy just needs a drink, but he can't drink because this dude's souls in his cup. It's just got a smug look on his face. <laughs> I, I love I love how the first time he looks in the cup, he's like startled at first, but then he's just looking at it like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. It's such a human reaction, you know? Yeah. It's like, I don't I don't believe this. And then just gets rid of it. Trying to take a lunch break and there's a freaking dude in your cup. <laughs> yeah, I only get 30 minutes, man. Yep. <laughs> I had no idea where this story was going from that scene Me at either. the start. I was like, what are they even going to do with this? They didn't even do what I thought they were going to do with it, too. So He, like, keeps invading, like, personal spaces like his cup where he's trying to get water then he comes and invades his home well i guess not his home but yeah his little resting chamber and then the retainers show up at his home and make him go nuts it's freaky it's weird yeah it's so strange and bizarre but i, I do like that about it that it's just so weird i have never seen anything quite like it and it's just <laughs> such a such a weird setup and yeah it just keeps going in these strange directions i'm like it's kind of a mystery really like what is exactly going on here because it's not really clear until they say you swallowed his soul i mean the question goes how did his soul get in there i don't know yeah it's all very yeah it like it reminds me of like a monty python gag almost with the way it ends i like that when they show up the first thing he wants to do is kill him he's like all right enough of this <laughs> might as well they basically just threatened him and, I mean, he's been putting up with this this whole time. So, like, yeah, it's like he's just getting fed up. He's hoping the violence will solve it. But it turns out, no, these these guys will not die. That fight was really cool, too. Because, like, the guy just becomes more and more unhinged the longer he fights with them. And then they do that cool stuff where, like, they turn in the shadows or whatever, and he's just fighting shadows. And that kind of leads leans more into the is he just going nuts kind of thing too with it i love that the visual scene boys for this one was when the camera had the spear like pointing out of the camera at the retainers and they've got their back to the wall and they've got this bright light putting their shadow behind them making them look even larger than life and all of them have their like hat down so you can't see their faces. He's like fighting these unfaced enemies, ghosts. It was so cool. 
That fight scene had my favorite music from this. I've liked how it was the the Biwa from the previous one, and it is yeah, it got more erratic as he got more erratic. I think something that made this story unnerving for me too is that this character, the samurai, was presented as just like the regular everyday dude. Like we were joking at work, he's taking a lunch break. And he's like samurai, so he's respected in society there too. And he's going nuts like this. is adds to the unnerving effect. Yeah, he doesn't really do anything wrong. I mean, I guess he drinks the <laughs> face in the cup, but I've got the suspicion that like that guy was going to be there no matter what. Like, I guess he could go drink out of a lake with like a giant face being there. I don't know. He did. I, I don't think he's to blame. I don't know. It's interesting. It's just like this is kind of part of the whole like beware of ghosts. They work in mysterious ways. You don't know what they're going to do. He could have just put not drank from that and just went somewhere else. Well, he breaks like several cups. I guess the water source maybe would have been the the key. Maybe if you would have tried somewhere else. I don't know. Ooh, yeah. I guess that's the question. Was he in the water jug or just all over? Or was he, yeah, just specifically for that one guy? Like he was going to get swallowed by him no matter yeah. what. <laughs> he was going to get him eventually. I do like how they made the the sake cup later on real spooky too like they bring it in and the guy's just looking at it out of the side of his eye and it just zooms in on the cup and you're like oh no <laughs> is he gonna be in there is he gonna <laughs> open it the guy just doesn't even mess with it <laughs> it adds a lot of tension to something you wouldn't think twice of you know like a teacup how can you make that spooky this is like a stephen king story the teacup yeah! with the man inside <laughs> As much as I hate to admit it, this is, you're not wrong. <laughs> oh, man, I'm glad you said it, because I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> the teacup with the man inside. And Ooh. then it doesn't really end. It just kind of, like, does a goofy story within a story yeah. thing. <laughs> we don't know how this one ends. We'll just do our best shot at it. Yeah, it's like, okay. It's just so strange. It's so different. Like, there isn't really an ending, yeah. And I kind of like it, though. It's just very vague and weird unpredictable just like the ghosts in this like you just don't know exactly what's happening it's just the dude at the end trying to claw his way out of the cup yep somehow he got trapped in there maybe they like trade places like if you drink a man's soul from the cup then like he gets to be free and then you get put in the cup i don't know i was thinking maybe it had something to do with him being overworked or whatever and that's how he got his soul trapped it was because of his work, maybe. Mm, okay. I, yeah, I have no idea. It's strange. Could be anything. It, yeah, that's why I like it. I keep saying it's strange, but I think I mean that in the most like good way possible. I like this one a lot. It's so weird. It's meant to be strange, yeah. And I do think it is kind of goofy. Like I think it is supposed to be a little fun at times, too. Maybe it's like a thing about like always check your water, you know, make to make sure to boil your water because if you don't double check, you could get like a horrible disease <laughs> or something. Maybe if that's what it is, I love it. <laughs> that would fit. Well, do we want to talk just overall about the the thing now? I guess. Yeah, I know we've talked about anthologies in the past with like trick or treat and everything. But, and I know I harped a lot in that review on like the quality of the connecting tissue between all the anthologies in that one and why that works so well. But I think this movie like showcases, like perfectly showcases that you don't even need that. If, if you're like, the quality of your individual stories is good enough. All you need really is a connecting theme. You don't need to have some like subpar, like connective tissue like the VHS movies, for example, do, right? That kind of just drags it down. You don't even need that. All you need is like a theme. Ghost stories have four really well done, well developed shorts in there. And you're good. You don't need anything to connect them together. I was kind of hoping that at the end it was all going to be connected by the guy who had written all the stories or something. That would have been kind of cool if it had been like the dude like writing these all down or whatever. And then he like disappears into the cup at the end. I wish they would have done it, but I don't think this was a trope back in the day with the the connective tissue. You could 
make that connection, I guess, because all the stories had the narration. Yeah, I think horror anthologies work really well because for short stories, um, especially with horror, it's cool that they don't over-explain things because a lot of times with horror, the more you learn about it, the less scary it is. For like anthology movies, like for VHS, I don't watch VHS for the connecting storyline. I watch them more for the individual ones. But it is kind of creepy that it's there. Um, I honestly didn't notice that there wasn't something connecting everything together, and I didn't really care with this one. Yeah, I don't mind the interconnecting stuff either, but... Yeah, it's funny that I was like thinking it would be when it really is. I mean, you might be able to take it that way at the end, but it's like... Oh, I, I I just realized we didn't have it. That's strange. That's just something. It, it gets my goat, you know, because you'll have like some really good stories and then you'll have a subpar connective tissue that you're like, eh, why even bother? At least that's what I think. I'm like, why even bother, you know? Uh, yeah, there's it depends. Some are good, some are bad. Like, yeah, they're not all bad. They're not all good either. Just got to do it right. You know, I think what... What makes the best anthologies is when the movies accent and highlight each other and let you build ideas and thoughts. And I feel like this one does that super well. I think they all kind of give you different things to think about with different kind of Japanese ghosts and spirits. I don't know if I, yeah, often, I think if it's done well, it rarely ever needs that connective stuff. I will say I kind of wish I would have like separated these out a little bit, um, like maybe watched like half of them one day and half of them the other, because it, it did kind of feel long to me. This is like three hours long, and it did, the pacing's not quite. The, this is all super slow, and it didn't really like. It was. I mean, there. I thought there all the stories were good, but it just felt long, you know. So, I, and you for this movie especially, you don't need to like watch them all at once. You could separate them out. That's what I did. I watched half yesterday and half this afternoon and it worked well yeah i mean because yeah i don't know i took notes down yesterday and kind of thought about them watching these today but i think if i just had more you know, if i'd have planned better i should say i probably could have done it in one sitting i liked it that much but <laughs> well that's another strength of like this type of an anthology is there's no connective tissue really so you can just like sit down and watch whatever one you want without some awkward other part button its way in, you know? Something else um, they had in that booklet, or the essay for this, um, from my Criterion copy, was they are talking about the strength of this anthology, one of the strengths being that it's all one director who is doing all of these, and that, that really helps connect them together thematically and visually and stylistically and how like they don't you don't need like i bring it up because i agree with it and i think it's an interesting point because a lot of anthologies bring in a lot of different directors to do stuff and so they're very wildly inconsistent at times you know but this one everything's like like we were talking about the production is stellar in every single one of these, the acting is stellar. In every single one of these, the music is stellar. In every single one of these, right? So it's it, that really helps a lot more than than I realized. I think when I watch this both times, you know, because there's never one that I want to like just be like, "Ugh, this is a drag," or skip over, you know. Yeah, I think that the consistency is nice for sure. Although I wouldn't have mind like a greatest hits of like all of Japan Japan's like best directors at the time doing one. That would have been kinda cool. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd watch that. That's the the other side of that <laughs> sword there. Yeah. Either way, yeah, as, as long as they're all good, I'm not gonna complain. So <laughs> and this these are all good, so Hmm. Well, does anybody have anything else? We ready for overall presentation? Again, individually. <laughs> I'm ready. You know, and I know we always like to choose randomly, and there's like four hosts, there's four stories, and it feels like it would be perfect, but I'm reminded of uh, a time. I, I, it's been like 10 years or so when I was like out. It was I was at summer camp, you know, as a kid. We were out in the woods, and it got like this crazy snowstorm hit, and 
I saw something so weird, and I I wasn't supposed to really talk about it, but I mean, hey, who's listening, right? <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I I noticed this uh, strange uh, woman. She was like luring over one of my uh, campmates, and I think she was like trying to like absorb his soul or something. Something horrible was happening, and then she came to me, and she's like, "Don't worry, I won't hurt you. You're part of Run the Real, or at least you will be." But don't tell anybody this secret because Mike's going to go first in Quaidon. Quaidon. Yeah, she she wasn't Japanese, so she didn't she didn't pronounce it correctly. <laughs> no, I actually Japanese. corrected her. No, no. Nice save. Nice yep. save. <laughs> and then then she disappeared out into the night. Oh, but now you've told us, TV. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, oh no! He wait, told us somebody Terry knocking Doe. at my door. Hello, <laughs> who's that? Oh, oh, he's <laughs> gone. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I might be gone for a couple presentations, but I'll be back by the time for the third one. It's a very good random pick. I like that story. Very spooky, but that's just like this movie. All the stories have something in it that's very unnerving. The set design is amazing. The like costumes are amazing. This movie made me feel weird, and I don't know why sometimes. This is definitely a buy it for me. This movie's like master filmmaking and set design and costumes, like all the production stuff in this movie is so cool. And the stories are cool too, and it's like folklore and all this stuff we were talking about. And I picked out visual scenes of each individual story that I liked the best. Um, definitely buy it from Mike. In the interest of not reiterating what I suspect some other host will say, this is a pretty easy watch from Fox. You know, I think, obviously, yeah, great visuals, the insane costumes, acting, most of the audio for me, all phenomenal. I think... This one really shines for me in the historical kind of cultural way that I love so much. This just feels like you're taking a day touring a museum of Japanese folklore, almost. And it helps that it's in such a great format, medium. But it's, yeah, the director did a great job. Everyone involved did fantastic. I realize I've had nothing but praise for it, but it is only a watch for me, I think, simply because of the length. I don't know how often I would revisit it. And I'm at kind of a, I'm at kind of a loss because I don't want it to be shorter, but it does make it difficult to, you know, get through. I mean, I did it in two sittings, which was nice, but I don't know how often I would do so. Still worth a watch though. Yeah. I, I really liked all these stories. I mean, for the most part, I had some problems with the third one. I think it kind of kicked off a little too slowly for my taste. And I mean, overall the movie, the length is pretty long. I was starting to feel it. But, I mean, that doesn't mean the stories are bad. This is just a really long movie. There's four of them, and they're all, like, an hour or so. Well, maybe not. One of them's longer than the others. But I did have some nitpicks also about, like, the sound design in the first story I thought was kind of weird. I think it's an artistic decision. It's one I didn't necessarily like, but I can respect it. Um, I like the, all the acting in this. All the costume and set design, like we've said, is all awesome. Um, and, like... All the stories themselves are just really interesting and strange. And, like, I guess it starts off, like, kind of, like, clear-cut about the morality of it. But I feel like it gets, like, vaguer as it goes on, which is kind of interesting. And I like the more vague weirdness of, like, the later stories even. So um, I think I'm going to give this a watch it as well. I did like it. Um, I just think, yeah, the length and a few of those other problems I had with it or holding it back a little bit. I might like this upon like future viewings. If I like maybe just watched one a day or something like that, I might like it better. I don't know, but I do own this one, by the way, just full disclosure. I bought this. I've got the criterion set, but I'll just give it a watch it. I'll just give it a watch it. So this is the third movie from Masake Kobayashi that I've seen. And I'm going to continue the watches movies because this dude is a master storyteller. He's so good at every single aspect behind filmmaking. It's just a pleasure and a treat to watch something that he's done. And him being able to take these 
very short stories and put so much depth into them with the way he's filming it and like all the sound design and the set design and the actors he chooses for the roles is just it's incredible he's able to get so much out of these folk tales and bring so much to them with the visual media it's so cool seeing him do something really different like this and it still being like just an a plus excellent movie in its own right and it's and it's an anthology which a lot of people have a hard time making like great you know whether it's having a subpar story in there having a bad connective tissue or not even having one when it should have he, he tackled a movie that genre that's hard to do and hard to get right and he just did it perfectly i think so this this is the definite buy it for me is super spooky, creepy, cool, artistic, awesome. Just in general, I love it. I've I've got the Human Condition trilogy to watch next from him, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm excited, Dan. Dan, let me borrow Samurai of Rebellion, and I'm gonna watch it soon because of this movie. <laughs> he seems to be pretty acclaimed. Yeah, he's like. Maybe second to Kurosawa in that department. Man, I I like his two samurai films better than any of Kurosawa's. Mm-hmm. Harakiri is my favorite. Yeah, Harakiri was amazing. Oh, man, I love that movie. You know, and the more I talked about it, the more I did like it. Because I did come to the review a little, like, more in the middle of the road on it. But as we've talked about it, I did like it more. So there's some layers here that, yeah, it's just fun to talk about. It's cool that... Every one of us got something a little bit different out of these two. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So, uh, Fox, you got our next pick, don't you? Yeah, I, you know, I watched this one a while back, and I've been very anxious to have someone to talk to about it. So I figured you three are probably the best for that. I'm thinking Takashi Miike's Audition. Hmm, yes. I haven't seen this. This will be interesting. I've very much like 13 assassins so it'll be interesting seeing what brutalities he comes up with for this movie for <laughs> sure he's one of my favorite directors so yeah it's i'll be very curious to hear what you all have to think about it i've only seen one thing of his and it was something so we'll see if i like this one <laughs> but in the meantime if any of the listeners out there want to get in contact with us uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Run the Real, or you can email us at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up. I want to hear your like J horror recommendations, horror in general, movie recommendations, whatever you want. Just hit us up, talk to us. What did you think of Quaidon? You can watch it on HBO Max. Yeah, you should watch it and let us know what you think. Is it perfection? Is it not? Uh, yeah, tell us. What did you get out of these stories? What was the moral? Ooh, yeah hit us up we want to know we clearly like talking about this movie so yeah <laughs> please talk about it with us but anyways thanks for listening to us tonight we really appreciate it this is run the real signing off mm-hmm.